1: So he's putting the bar really high. And what does that do? It forces us to examine our own hearts in every relationship, in our relationships, in our marriages. Because every one of us is going to have a complaint. And it's, it's really important that we look at ourselves and look really deep. And, and don't look there too long, but look to him and, and notice and let him bring the, the stuff that's inside of you and conform it to the image of Christ. Let him take it out of you. It's sort of like a potter. He reaches down into that thing and he pulls up the clay and he's just continuing to, to get out the impurities and the junk and he's getting all that stuff out. Let God do that. Because that's what he wants to do. Love. How can I keep from shouting your name? I know I am loved by the key, and it makes my heart want to see.
0: I will live in the dark. Today on Truth in Christ. Pastor Rob takes us for a journey through the Bible regarding God's view of divorce. We learn right from the beginning of the Bible that marriage is a sacred gift that God has designed as a union between a man and a woman. However, it has become a life of domestic troubles and divorces. God gives us specific instructions regarding marriage and how to have a sacrificial relationship with each other. As followers of Jesus Christ, we know that the most important relationship we have is with our Lord and Savior, Jesus. If he is kept center in our marriage and in all relationships, he promises that all will be well and he will be glorified. Let's join Pastor Rob. So,
1: you know, these things are, uh, God takes them very seriously. And from the very beginning, from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 2, God made it very clear that it was to be between a man and a woman. A man and a woman, that's what marriage is, is between a man and a woman. He doesn't acknowledge any other form of marriage. And he, he doesn't make any apologies to it, and neither should we. You know, and our culture hates that. It's, it's, it's the idol of our culture right now, this whole idea of homosexuality and being able to have the freedom, and, and they're forcing our, their legislators and they're lobbying these people and giving them great sums of money to pass laws in Washington to force them to acknowledge this sin because that 's what it is it 's not an alternate lifestyle it 's not an orientation, it is sin that 's exactly what it is. but you know what you know they, they, they our culture now it just sees this intimacy between a husband and a wife. You know, it uh, sees it as just something as uh, a means to an end. It's become something totally selfish and self focused. And honestly, I think our culture thinks way too much about sex, to be honest with you. I think we're so inundated by it in every form in, in music and in movies and media and magazines. Uh, we're just so inundated with it. And just a little fuel is all it takes to incite that lust in every, every one of us. We're human beings, and we, we're not per, you know, impervious to these kinds of things that we see. And it's a pressure. It's a pressure on women. It's a pressure on men. And I wish it weren't there, but we think way too much about it because, again, we are surrounded by it. And why should it consume so much of your mind? Have you ever thought about that? Why should it consume more time in our brains and in our hearts than it does? Within the bonds of marriage, it's a beautiful thing, and it was designed by God to be a beautiful thing. And it's just a part of life, right? I mean, really, it's what it is. It's a part of life. And yet our culture has made it everything. It's, it encompasses everything. You can't even buy a car without saying, you know, uh, I won't even have to go on any further. Why is this? We know it's because we have become perverse, and not you so much, I'm not even going to say us as a, as a church, but maybe not us so much, but just the world itself. We're being cleansed, and we're being washed, and we've been forgiven. But it is something that we have to think about. Why do I think so much about this? I shouldn't be thinking so much about sex. Why is it taking so much of my pie chart of my brain? <laughs> you know, There's this much, You know, everything else, and everything over here is sex. You know, and some people, honestly, that's the case. Everything is—it's just consumed them, and it's an unfortunate thing. And what about our kids, you know? I, I mean, again, the movies, the magazines. Folks, we need to teach our kids, our grandkids, teach them about these things. Teach them the things to stay away from. Teach them what the Bible has to say. Because they're going to learn this stuff from somewhere. They're going to learn it on Facebook. They're going to learn it On Instagram, they're going to learn it from other friends. And it's time that we made sure we teach our kids. And for those of you who have grandkids, be diligent, be strong, be purposeful, be bold, and never, ever give up. Never give up. Be serious about it. And stop trying to be a friend of your child or your grandchild, and be their parent, be their grandchild. Stop being a friend and be their mentor, their governor. They need that. In this verse, we see this certificate of divorce, and it occurs a total of six times in the entire Bible, three times in the New, in the Old Testament and three times in the New. And we're going to look at five of the six of those because it's such an important thing, especially as we consider what Moses is sharing here. You know, the the first two we're were going to be reading, Uh, we've already read them in verses 1 and verse 3 of this chapter. We're going to see also in Jeremiah and Matthew, we're going to see the others as well momentarily. But if we look in Malachi, you know, what does God say about divorce? You know, this idea of a bill of divorcement. Well, it says in Malachi, for the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce. That's what it says. For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce, for it covers one's garment with violence, says the Lord. Therefore take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. So we have to deal with ourselves. We have to examine ourselves because within ourselves comes every impure, nasty thing. And within us is the ability to be discontent with everything. No matter what we get, we want more. The flesh is never satisfied. It always wants more. You know, God could give you everything that you wanted, but give it some time and you're going to want the next thing. And you're going to want the next thing. And the, the happiness, I think, real biblical happiness, is not necessarily getting what you want, but wanting what you have. You know, having you know, the things that you have to, be, to see them as a blessing and to go, you know, Lord, I am so thankful that I got a, a, a vehicle that runs really well, Lord. I'm so thankful, Lord. Thank you. I'm so glad. And, and be, really learn, grow to be thankful. I got running water in my house. I got a bed. I got a roof over my head. I've even got a refrigerator. I can keep stuff in. I got a, a gas stove and I got a microwave. Even, you know, you got these things and they're, they're 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 essential things, you know, to us. and And be thankful for that. Be thankful. But God says He hates divorce. In Matthew chapter five, you don't have to go there with me. We're gonna go. You might as well open up your Bibles to Matthew. But let me just share with you in Matthew five. This is uh, called, this section of Scripture is called the, the Beatitudes, Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And in this passage, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's giving the difference between the law and what Jesus says. And, and I love the fact that Jesus says it has been written that this is what has been, you know, this is the law. But now I say unto you. And do you realize that as soon as he said that, he's putting himself on equal par and even the authority over the word of God. And how can he do that? If he wasn't the word of God incarnate, that would be blasphemous. But he says to them, he says, furthermore, in Matthew 5, verse 31, it's been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a a certificate of divorce. And he's referring to these verses that we're looking at this evening, these first four verses of chapter 24. He says, but I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced, Commits adultery. So he's putting the bar really high. And what does that do? It forces us to examine our own hearts in every relationship, in our relationships, and our marriages. Because every one of us is going to have a complaint. And it's, it's really important that we look at ourselves and look really deep. And, and don't look there too long, but look to him and, and notice and let him bring the, the stuff that's inside of you and conform it to the image of Christ. Let him take it out of you. It's sort of like a potter. He reaches down into that thing and he pulls up the clay and he's just continuing to, to get out the impurities and the junk and he's getting all that stuff out. Let God do that because that's what he wants to do. And you'll find that you're... You can change. You have the ability to change. And when you do, and you ask God for help, he can make a, most incon- uh, uh, a person who is very discontent, he can make them contented. He can make the most unloving man one of the most loving men. He can take one of the most vindictive women and turn her into just the exact opposite. And now all of a sudden, where there was a, a, a marriage on the brink of divorce, now because two people are getting their eyes off themselves and each other and onto Christ, now they have the capacity and the ability for the first time to finally be content and, and let Lord, the Lord heal them, and now they've got a great marriage. Let me tell you, that's the victory, folks. That is the victory. You don't need to spend a a bunch of money going to see a counselor. And they'll just tell you, well, let's go back in your past a little bit more. Did you have toys as a child? No, I didn't have the Tonka truck. I was five years old. All the neighborhood kids had them, but I didn't. Well, that's the reason for your divorce, because this is just pent-up anxiety, and um, you really need... um, I can prescribe you what we call Ritalin for adults. And it will uh, it'll numb that feeling and make you feel all better. all right? No, God says, no, I get right to the source. I'm not going to give you a pill. I'm going to get right to the core of it, and I'm going to heal you forever. What would you rather choose? Are you Are going to run to the doctor and get the pills to create the, you know, to help you with the anxiety, or are you going to go to Christ and get on your knees and humble yourself and be healed? Let me tell you, that's the harder thing to do, and most people won't do it. They'll ra- rather go to the, the pill chest and take a pill and numb And be comfortably numb, (laughs) as a song used to say, which I don't even want to mention here. But turn with me to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, the very first verse. It says, Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these sayings that he departed from Galilee and came to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. And the Pharisees also came to him, testing him. Notice, their motive was to test him. And saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? Well, we just read in in Deuteronomy chapter 24, it doesn't say for any reason, does it? It says, for some uncleanness, right? And, and that's only at the worst extreme of the hardness of the man's heart. If, it's, if there's some uncleanness found in her and, and he just he can't, for some reason, get beyond it. It's not what he says at all. So even right now, he's twisting it already. Is it lawful for a man to, to divorce his wife? Yeah, just for any... He, she burnt my toast. Write her a bill of divorcement? She ironed... She creased my shirt and ironed the, the crease, you know, right in the back. And now I look like, you know, Kermit the Frog. You know, you're done. You know, a divorcer, she's, you know, she's didn't put enough pepperonis on the pizza. Honey, I told you, only 25 pieces on the pizza. Why are there 12? You know my heartburn. I can't take 25. (sighs) And Jesus, notice verse 4, he answered and he said to them, Have you not read... And he, he's, quoting, or he's quoting from Genesis, and he's also referring back to these very verses that we're talking about now. He answered, Jesus said to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? Notice that, male and female, not male and male or male in question mark, not female in question mark. No, it's male and female. Do you know the difference between male and female? It's very simple. It's very simple. And is there an edge in my voice? Yes, there is. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, his wife, a woman, the man's wife, is a woman. And the two, notice, shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. And they said to him, why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and put her away? And he said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, he permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. Do you, do you see the difference? God sets the standard high, and Moses set the standard a little bit lower. But because of the hardness of their hearts, and, and you know, God allows this. God allows this. But Jesus, again, puts the bar. He puts the bar higher because that was the design all along. But, again, God, God in his mercy doesn't is not glorified when two people are are married for 10 years and they hate each other and the whole family is torn apart all the kids are fighting everybody's fighting everybody hates each other is that does that glorify Jesus sometimes i think depending on the circumstances you know within god's grace these things can be you know again you can never condone the thing but you know you can understand that because of the hardness of people's hearts god is a god of mercy but it's only in the extreme cases. But the better thing, folks, is to examine your own heart. To examine your own heart, male and female. Get on your knees. And it's because people don't do that that divorces happen, especially even in the church. And he said to them, because Moses, uh, because of the hardness of your hearts, he permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And in notice verse 9, And I say unto you that whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and isn't that what... We looked at, in in Deuteronomy chapter 4, that there was some uncleanness in her, or uncleanness in him. Something a little bit different than uh, adultery or something, but whatever it is, it's a question mark, mystery here. But that's the context, really, uh, of of what we're reading tonight, as some kind of sexual immorality. And And he marries another, commits adultery, and whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. You know, there are three different types of adultery, and originally I thought there were only two. And the Lord impressed upon something else. We know the physical adultery, that's very easy. Physical adultery, we all understand. And spiritual adultery, we understand as well. When instead of worshiping the one true living God, we worship some other God. We know that that's spiritual adultery. But I want to share with you that I believe that there's another form of adultery, and it's called emotional adultery, and it's really the precursor to physical adultery. And what is that that 's when you no longer are speaking to your spouse only you know um, you know we should make sure that uh that our spouse is the only one who you are engaged with, not only physically, but emotionally and spiritually as well. Be careful of friends of the opposite sex. Be careful of best friends. Guys, if you have another woman that's not your wife, don't divulge all your, uh, the, the, the secrets and the, and the deep things of God in your heart to her. No, that's for your wife. Don't, get, don't allow the emotions to blur. Because once you do that, let me tell you, there's only a matter of time, and it's very natural, when you're divulging the, the the deep things of your heart, the very next thing, the very next thing, is physical adultery. You know, physical you know relationships. God designed it that way. When you're sharing the very everything about you, you're sharing that with somebody. That's the person you're supposed to marry, if it's the Lord's will. But that's you only do that with your spouse or your soon-to-be spouse. You're the one that you're engaged to. You share everything to her to him. You don't. Be married, and then you're, all of a sudden the guy is talking to his secretary more than he's talking to his wife, or the wife doesn't have, is not talking to his best friend more than he's talking to her husband, more than she's talking to her husband. Do you understand that as soon as you cross that line, you're, you're committing emotional adultery, and it's only a matter of time. It's a ticking time bomb, and if it's not cut off immediately, it will lead, it will lead to physical adultery. It happens all the time. I've seen it in my own sphere of influence. For some reason, a man, you know, doesn't want to talk to his wife, and now he's speaking to somebody else. I'll be like, hey, man, you better be careful of that. If you can't talk to your wife, you need to learn to talk to your wife. And if you can't talk to your wife, then you've got to examine why is that. You need to really get to the brass tacks of why Why am I the way I am. You've got to figure it out. You've got to do the harder thing and dig deep and get on your knees and on your face. And pray to God to give you help. Because if you do not, you are on a slippery slope. And it will end there. It will end there. It's only a matter of time. And God gave Israel a bill of divorcement. Talk about spiritual adultery. We know in Jeremiah chapter 3, as Jeremiah was prophesying to the the Jews... Before they would go into captivity to Babylon, God gives them a call to repentance. For, for Israel, the, the northern ten tribes who have already gone into captivity in Assyria a couple year, a hundred years prior to this, and now here Jeremiah is with the southern two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, and, and God tells him to call them to repentance. In fact, in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 6, it says, The Lord said also to me, to Jeremiah, in the days of Josiah the king, he says, Have you seen what backsliding Israel has done? She has gone up on every... Every high mountain and under every green tree, and there played the harlot. And I said, after she had done all these things, return to me. But she did not return. And her treacherous sister Judah saw it. And then I uh, and then I saw that for all the causes for which backsliding Israel had committed adultery, I had put her away. Notice, I'd given her a bill of divorcement, a certificate of divorce, temporarily. God wasn't going to divorce Israel forever. For a time. Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but went and played the harlot also. So it came to pass through her casual harlotry that she defiled the land and committed adultery with stones and trees. These were things that idols were made of. That was spiritual adultery. They should have been worshiping Jehovah God, but instead they, they fashioned stones and trees in the likeness of these idols, and they worshiped them, committing this spiritual adultery. And God says, I write you a bill of divorce, because I went, I, I've, I've talked to you about this several times. I've sent the prophets, rising early, often I send them to you, and you did not repent from this adultery. And yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah has not turned to me with her whole heart, but in pretense. They just fake it. Lip service. So adultery. Divorce. These things are ugly. They're horrible things. In verse 5, let's go back to Deuteronomy 24. Verse 5, it says, When a a man has taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war or be charged with any business. I say amen to that. Is it retroactive? Can I go back and, and now take a year off? Actually, I wouldn't want to take a year off from this, but... I I I guess that really wouldn't work now, would it? But uh, that's okay. But he's supposed to not go out to war, neither shall he be charged with any business, but he shall be free at home for one year, and he shall cheer up his wife, which he has taken. That's what it says in the King James. Cheer up his wife. And I I like that. Uh, I mean, obviously in the the New King James, it says he shall be free at home one year and bring happiness to his wife, whom he has taken. I kind of laugh when I see that, you know, it's like, it makes you wonder if, if now that she's married this guy she's like oh and he's like okay i got to i got to be about cheering her up now really i am that good i really am that you know that that guy that you married i really am that guy that you know before when i was you know standing uh there in the in the in the display case i really am that guy and he's got to cheer her up he's got to you know make her happy i think that's funny because it's not the other way around it's always the guy you know he's the one who's got to cheer his wife up because She'd probably realize, wow, he's really not all that. You know, he spoke a good game before the ring, but now after the ring, he's somewhat tarnished and no longer brings chocolates, no longer spouting sonnets, no longer spontaneous poems, you know, at night before bed. But I love this provision in the law because it allowed a newlywed couple to get to know one another. And what, I wonder how, what a blessing that would be for some people today. You know, if for somehow, you know, families, I think families could do it if they chose to do it. I I think that would be the greatest thing. Probably one of the best investments that could ever be made is to allow a newlywed couple just to be free from distraction for a year. And their parents would take them in. They would do whatever they got to do to give them that freedom. That way they can start a family. They can get their head around getting to know each other. They can spend time, you know, walking out to Genesee Park and, you know, cruising along the thing on their bikes and, you know, and just making their parents jealous. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, but just getting to know one another and really getting to know each other. What a blessing that would be. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great to give to somebody, you know, if you had the money? But in this culture, everybody lived together. They live very close together, so I suppose they could do that. We could do it today, but I don't know that people would do it. But it's a really good thought, though, because you see the benefit of it it would certainly encourage this new couple. But then he goes on and he says, Nor shall any take the lower or the upper millstone for a pledge, for he takes one's living in a pledge. And the idea of a pledge is to to bind.
0: Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.